Merry Christmas, everybody. In your Bible, find Luke chapter 2, verse 22. We've been in our Advent series, A Weary World Rejoices. Advent means coming or arrival. In the traditional church calendar, you have the season of Advent where you're waiting, and then you enter the season of Christmas. So today, obviously, we transition into the season of Christmas. Christ has come. He is here, and we celebrate that this morning. Today, we're going to talk about rejoicing in seeing Jesus. Rejoice in seeing Jesus. So in your Bible, Luke chapter 2, verse 22 of course, by this time, uh, the baby Jesus has been born. We've gone through the whole shepherds and angels and, and mangers, all of that. If you were here last night, we, we talked about that last night. And so now we're moving forward in the story. Verse 22, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, was so talking about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts for many years may be revealed. This is the Word of God. Hopefully this has been a day of rejoicing for you. How many of you have already opened at least one present? Most of us. How many of you, when you opened up your present, you said, that is exactly what I wanted. I got exactly what I was hoping for. Right on. I see those hands. How many of you, let's, we're in church, we can be honest. How, how many of you opened that present and kind of did the whole fake smile and like, oh, that's nice. How many of you did that? Gee, thanks, Grandma, for more socks. Right? Sometimes our expectations are met, and sometimes they're not, are they? Sometimes they're not. Did you rejoice at what you saw this morning when the invisible was made visible right before your eyes? Did you rejoice 
Luke tells the story of Simeon, and he's been waiting, he's been longing, he's been expecting something, hasn't he? It calls it the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. He's been waiting for the Lord's salvation, and he is not disappointed, is he? When on, that, on that Christmas, if we want to call it that, <laughs> Simeon's Christmas, when he unwrapped that little baby there in the temple courts, he did not look at that and say, oh, uh, okay. That's not what I thought it was going to be. That's not what he did. He rejoiced because his greatest expectations, his greatest desires had been met. What do you think God's salvation would look like for you this morning? Simeon is awaiting the salvation of God. What about you? Are you awaiting the salvation of God? And if you are, what would it look like? In what form would it take? So there's two, there's two kind of extremes that Christians kind of can fall into when we are talking about God's salvation. One is this extreme that says, I know that God's going to come through for me. I'm waiting for my breakthrough. I'm waiting for my miracle, way maker, beautiful savior, light in the darkness, right? We sing all the songs, break the unbreakable, move the unmovable, Lord, I believe for it. And we're waiting for God to show up and do that big thing, that financial breakthrough, that curing of the disease, that restoring of the relationship. But there's only one problem with that kind of theology is that often it is devoid of Jesus. It's a longing for God that doesn't include Christ. There's another extreme that a lot of us fall into, which is Jesus as an add-on. I got this. I can get it done. I'm in control of my life. And Jesus just kind of gives me that little boost that I need. So, Jesus, I don't need a breakthrough. I just need a little boost. Jesus is my higher power, 12-step Jesus, accountability plus Jesus, morality plus Jesus, therapy with a little Jesus mixed in, follow Christian principles and I'll have a good life. If I work hard and have a little Jesus, I'll be okay. If I go to church and have a little Jesus every Sunday, I'm okay. And the worst case, worst of all of these is Jesus as fire escape. Jesus as my get out of hell free card. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with accountability and therapy and going to church, obviously. But what are you trusting in to solve the deepest problem of your heart and soul? Do you even know what the deepest problem of your heart and soul is? 
What did Simeon see that day that we all need to see? He saw God's salvation in a baby, in a baby. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon is not making up something new here. This is not some sort of new revelation. Simeon knows, or we at least assume he knows. It says he's a righteous man. He's a devout man. We can assume that means he's read his Bible. He's read the Old Testament. And so Simeon has read Isaiah. He's read, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. He's read, for unto us a child is given. He's read chapter 11. They didn't have chapters. But he's read what we call chapter 11, a little child will lead them. He's read that. He's read 52 and 53 about the the sprout growing up. He's read all of that. And so when he sees a baby, he's not shocked or surprised. He's been waiting for this for his whole life. He knows. He also knows Exodus. He knows the book of Exodus. We're getting to know the book of Exodus. We've been doing Exodus up until our Advent season. And so here's what you guys know. You know that when God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt and they painted that blood on the doorpost, do you remember that story? And when they did that and God spared them, God said, now you will set apart all of your firstborn sons unto me. In fact, Luke 2 2 quoted it, didn't it? Why are Mary and Joseph at the temple? Well, because Exodus said to. Exodus says, Exodus 13 says, from now on, you owe God your firstborn son. Why? Because the firstborn son represents the whole family. So God is saying, I own you. When I rescued you out of Egypt and I got you through that sea, I own you. I purchased you. And so you owe me your firstborn son. Now, God is not a bloodthirsty tyrant. He's not saying kill your firstborn sons. We know that. Genesis 22, Abraham takes Isaac up on the hill and God stops him and says, no, no, I don't want you to kill your son, but I do want you to dedicate your son. And so God says, give me your son as a ransom for your own lives. But not only that, God in his great mercy and kindness says, I'm going to go beyond that. You can even ransom your, uh, your firstborn son with an animal. And so what do we see Mary and Joseph doing? They're walking up to the temple, and what do they have with them? They got a baby, their firstborn son, and they got two doves. The baby being dedicated to the Lord will will buy them as a family, and the doves will ransom baby Jesus. They're doing what the law required. They're doing what every good and pious Jew did back then. God, in His infinite mercy, says, I will accept a substitute for you. I will accept a substitute for you. 
and Mary and Joseph are saying, when they do this act, this great act of faith to show up at the temple to dedicate their son, what are they saying? They're saying, they, they are saying, God, we admit that you own us. We are yours. Thank you for letting us keep our baby in our house. That's what they're saying. Thank you for letting us keep this baby alive and letting him go home with us today, and you're taking these two birds instead. That's what they're saying. They're admitting that God's in charge. They're admitting the mercy of God. They're admitting that, that they need God. They need his salvation. So let me ask you this. When you see Jesus... When you look at your nativity set and you see that little baby Jesus, what do you see? What do you see when you see Jesus? Like Simeon, do you see the salvation of God? Three quick thoughts on this. What did Simeon actually see? First of all, he saw a person. He saw a human being. Simeon didn't hear the salvation of God. He didn't read the salvation of God. He didn't listen to a podcast or a sermon about the salvation of God. He saw the salvation of God as a person. Not as something that he had to learn and figure out and accomplish on his own. He saw a human being who would be his salvation for him. Second, he saw a helpless person. Mary and Joseph didn't show up with, with you know, their 25-year-old son ripped with a big sword. I'm here to save you. They didn't walk in with Thor, right, long hair flowing. That's not what they walked in with. They walked in with a baby. And Simeon said, that's salvation. Why? Because for helpless people to be saved, God had to become helpless. Jesus came as a baby so that he could substitute, so that he could go through everything we go through, so that he could, not only in that cradle, not only in the arms of his mother, if you've ever been around a little newborn baby, you know that they are so helpless, aren't they? Babies have no control. They can't even, they don't, their arms are just going and their legs are, they, have, they can't even control their own bodies. And that's a preview because one day Jesus will grow up, right? And they can't control when they cry out in church. <laughs> one day Jesus is going to grow up and he's going to become helpless again, isn't he? Of his own volition, he will allow his hands and feet to be nailed to a cross he will have no control over his own body. He'll be naked and afraid, again, like he was on that, on that night he was born. Jesus became helpless because we are helpless. And third, Jesus is a baby. Jesus is a baby. See, you don't, need a, you, you don't need any other breakthrough than this baby. The baby is your breakthrough, Christian. The incarnation is your miracle. And that incarnation in Christ, when we receive Christ, 
the life of Christ goes into us. And just like a baby, what do babies do? They grow. Babies grow. The life of Christ goes into us, and what does it do? It grows. Paul said in Galatians 4 to that church, he said, I'm in anguish until Christ is formed in you. See, you see, guys, the Christian life isn't God blasting us with miracles and blasting us with breakthroughs. The Christian life is God saying, listen, I gave you your breakthrough. It's the life of Jesus in you, and it's a life that is growing, and it's growing slowly, and it's growing painfully. Can you believe that? Can you receive that? Even if the financial breakthrough doesn't come, even if you're not healed, even if the relationship is still a struggle, the marriage is still a struggle, singleness is still a struggle. When you see Jesus correctly like Simeon does, it'll affect you in two ways, two ways that this will affect you, Christian. First, look again at verses 34 and 35. Simeon takes the baby he blesses them. He says to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul. Worst baby dedication ever. <laughs> Could you imagine if we did that here at Grace? <laughs> Pastor Mark gets up with all the parents and their little babies, and he, you know how he does, he gets up, let me hold your baby. Oh, this baby is going to destroy your soul. Let's pray. <laughs> and everybody would be like, what? What is this? What is happening? But that's what Simeon said. Listen, look at what he says. Rising and falling, Jesus... Jesus is a sign that is opposed. Jesus is a, a soul-piercing sword. Why? Because Jesus can't just be that add-on, can he? It can't be this plus a little bit of Jesus. I'm in control. Jesus, get me over the hump. It can't be I can, I can get it done as long as I'll just, Jesus, just help me. No, that's not... That's not what Jesus is. He is the Savior of a helpless group of people. And until you let what Jesus did, what he said, and how he died on the cross, until you let that destroy any self-salvation scheme you got going on, until you let him kill your inner lawyer, until you let him put to death any self-righteousness that you have, he will be a sword cutting open your soul. Let him be. Let him be. Listen, here's what, here's what every Christian in the room knows. Before you can rise, you got to fall. That's how God works. None of you, if you're truly a Christian, none of you came to God with some sort of 50-50 proposition. God, I'll do my half if you do yours. Nope. 
You came to God with, I got nothing. Save me now. Save me, please. That's the gospel. The second thing, if you see Jesus the right way, the second thing it'll do, first, it will pierce your soul. Second, it will allow you to depart in peace. Simeon says, now I can depart in peace. In other words, he, he could let go. He could, when you see Jesus the right way, you can let go. You can depart in peace. When we see Jesus as our salvation, we can trust God. We can trust God in all things. If the breakthrough comes, praise God. If it doesn't come, praise God. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. Christian, listen to me. From the time you get saved, there is nothing left on earth for you to do. You can go to heaven. <laughs> now, God might leave you here, but God doesn't need you. If you die, his plan still goes forward. If you fall off the planet, the gospel is still being preached. The church of Christ will still win. Jesus is victorious. Do you understand that? But Brady, there's so much I want to do. There's so much I got to get done. I haven't fulfilled my destiny. Here's your destiny. Go to heaven and worship God. Start now. <laughs> Start now. Live a simple, if, if God is leaving you here, Live a simple life of faith whereby you say, God, you have already given me everything I need. Jesus, you have accomplished everything. I am heaven ready right now. If I die today, I'm with you. There's nothing left that I have to accomplish. I could go to be with you today. And if not, just help me live a, a simple life of trusting you. Amen. Amen. What do you see when you see Jesus? Let me ask you, can you depart in peace today? If you died today, would it be peace? When you think about dying, does that terrify you? Or is that peace? Can you say like Simeon, now I can depart in peace because I have seen the salvation of the Lord in this baby, in this person, in this helpless one who indwells me. If you can't say that, our prayer is that you would resolve that today. Repent and believe the good news. Turn to Jesus. Receive him. Receive the gift of his eternal life. And if you can say that, if you can say, now I can depart in peace. Well, for the time you have left here, go out and share that. Go tell it. Go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you have come to us. We didn't figure it out. We didn't build the tower. We didn't, we didn't climb the ladder. You came to us, and we have seen you. God, we have seen your salvation and we are not disappointed.
God, we have seen your salvation in the face of Christ, the face of a baby, the face of a helpless one who took on our own helplessness. Strengthen our hearts today with this amazing, amazing truth. And for any that are here that, that would honestly say the thought of dying, the thought of departing this life is not peace to me, Brady. It is not, that is not peace. That is unsurety. That is, that is, um, that is fearful for me. That is terrifying for me. God, I, I pray today that they would know that they can have peace in this life and the next in receiving Jesus Christ. That is our prayer. That is our plea. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.